This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now on to today's episode. On this episode, we are joined by Michael Light. Michael is an expert on business intuition. He is an author, coach, software entrepreneur, and now his book is on the Amazon bestseller list. Michael and I will talk about our issues with YouTube and Facebook. Then we address business intuition and using it in a very rational way. He discusses how he uses intuition to speedline his hiring process. Lastly, we talk about launching a book and how Michael got his book on a bestseller list. Many top entrepreneurs use their gut to make decisions faster, but how does one learn to improve that gut decision-making process? Check out this episode to learn more. How are you doing, Michael? I am doing great, Chris. How are things going for you? Fantastic. Thank you. And you're calling in from Cusco, Peru today. Is that correct? It is. Just up in the mountains, 11,000 feet in Cusco, Peru, where the llamas are strong and the internet's a little puny. And they have, <laughs> they, they have the world's highest Irish pub there. Is that correct? They do indeed. And, and I've been to the other world's highest Irish pub in La Paz as well. So I think maybe there's a bit of Blarney going on there. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me from the Irish. <laughs> um, all right. Well, welcome to the podcast, my friend. We want to talk about some incredible things you have going on. Talk about your book launch that you just had some case studies, your podcast that you have rolling now, and your specialty, business intuition. Let's talk about what you're doing as an entrepreneur today, and then we'll talk about your book. Sounds good to me. Share with the listeners, Michael, about intuitive leadership mastery and some of the coaching that you have going on. Sure. So intuitive leadership mastery is the title of the book and of the podcast. Um, book launched back in January this year. And became an Amazon bestseller. All right. And yes, and maybe we can talk later a bit on you know how I achieved that, and if, if other people have books they're thinking of launching or a product launch, you know what are ways to get something successful mm -hmm. uh, on a launch? Because you know there's so much uh, going on in the world these days that it's hard to get people's attention. Right. Um, and then you know. I think it's important to understand, you know, why intuition in our businesses now, because, you know, many of the people listening may have gut feelings on hiring people um, or who to work with when they're looking at clients or other things in their business. But I think that we've come to a point in 2017 where everything is so chaotic you know, just look at the whole political situation, the world situation, look at technology, how quickly things are changing, mm -hmm. you know, how quickly one social media platform rises up and then crashes and disappears. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, you can't just sit with a spreadsheet and analyze all the options for a month to figure stuff out in your business. You've got to make quick decisions to get ahead. Right. And intuition is a tool to make quick decisions and you know, make good decisions. So that's why one of the reasons I think it's timely that we pay more attention to this. And then the other thing is that, you know, a lot of people I've talked to, you know, they, they do use their intuition, but they, they sort of feel, oh, it's a skill I was 
uh, born with and, and um, it's only so good and I can't do anything about it. It's almost like they, if they were like, my biceps are only this size and I can't ever increase their size. <laughs> They've never heard of going to the gym, you know? <laughs> right. So, but you can improve your intuition uh, dramatically, uh, both by improving the skill and removing uh, things you have in the way of using it and also by learning better questions to ask and probably the most famous question to ask is what will it take that you know i've been uh, telling people about like, you know, what will it take to achieve my goal what will it take to add one new client this week what will it take to hire an ideal va so those are some of the reasons that i think intuition is important in business what is intuition to you, Michael? So I know on the for the digital entrepreneurs out there, there's a lot of analytical minds that like to punch numbers and use theories and science. So for the people out there that may not have experience using their business intuition or just their intuition in general, how would you define that or help them realize exactly what it is? So from if you're going to look at it from a rational point of view mm -hmm. uh, intuition is another way to get information about your business so it might be for example you're hiring um, you know a marketing person for your business and you've talked to several people and with one of them you you notice you have some tension in your gut you know you're, you're at literally getting a gut feeling about the person mm -hmm. and that might be a message to say hey the, there's something going on here with this person, you need to check into it further. I mean, if you want to take it at one level, you could just say, hey, I'm getting a bad feeling about this in my stomach. I'm just not going to, I'm going to pass on this person. It's far more risky to hire someone who turns out to be a disaster mm -hmm. than it is to pass on someone who might have worked out. Uh, because the, the downside cost of making a bad hire is so high mm -hmm. um, with all the mistakes they make and all the time you spend on training them and all the you know upset they cause around other staff um you know it's really tens of thousands of dollars in costs that you're talking about if you make a mistake on hiring so you know at, at the initial level you could just say hey i'm getting a bad feeling i'm just gonna say no you know if, if it's not a hell yes on hiring someone <laughs> i would not hire them yeah um but you can go further than that you could ask okay what what is causing this tension in my stomach when I talk to this person? Is there something off with them? And, you know, can I figure out what that is mm -hmm. and get more information about it? And you might do that analytically by looking at their social media profiles or digging into their resume or calling their references. Mm -hmm. um, or you might, if you were, you know, more open to your intuition, you might literally talk to your gut. And say, hey, gut, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, are you trying to tell me something? You know, did I just eat a bad hamburger over lunch? Uh, or is there something wrong with this client? Or is there something in me that reacts to this person? You know, often we carry patterns in our businesses. You know, we have a bad interaction with one employee, um, you know, 10 years ago. And that person happened to be a certain personality or a certain nationality. Mm -hmm. And ever after, every time we interact with someone like that, we kind of get attention in our gut. And it's nothing to do with the current person. It's all to do with the previous employee we had that we never cleared that pattern um, within us, that set of beliefs that uh, look out. 
there's this kind of person. I mean, it's a kind of, um, it's almost, a, you know, a primitive um, human thing. If you're walking along and you get attacked by a tiger one day after you hear rustling in the bushes, ever after, if you hear rustling in the bushes, you're a little nervous. Right. And similarly in our businesses, if you have a bad experience with a certain kind of client or a certain kind of employee, um, or, or it may not even be in your business. It may be in the schoolyard. You had a bad experience with, you know, a, a Chinese woman who beat you up and bullied you. Mm-hmm. And ever after, you're like, whenever you're thinking of hiring a Chinese woman, it's like, oh, I don't feel good about this. But mm-hmm. it's nothing to do with the current person. It's all to do with your history, which could be if you clear up that uh, emotional scarring, then you can have wider opportunity, uh, you know, for hiring and also um, get clearer messages from your intuition. Michael, what would you say is the difference between having just a general idea and having an intuitive thought or knowing this is something that your intuition is speaking to you? So, for example, like I have an idea to release a new product for my business. How would you check that in or define the difference between that and your intuition? Or are they the same? The quality of the question I ask determines the quality of the answer I get. I, I think Einstein probably made some comment that, mm. you know, if he ever had to solve a hard problem, he wouldn't spend, and he only had an hour to do it before he was shot at dawn for not solving it. Because, you know, those uh, physicists in the 1920s were a tough bunch. <laughs> um, he would spend 55 minutes defining the question to ask and five minutes looking for the answer. Um, and the reason is that if you ask the right question, often the answer is obvious. So we just asked, is this a good idea? But you have to look from your higher self or spiritual point of view to to say is something a good idea for Chris is, you know, maybe you do this project and you have a lot of personal growth because it's a total fuck up and failure. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, is it a good idea to hire this person? Well, maybe you hire this person and they have, some terrible personality issues that you've been dealing with with other employees and this one is the finally one who tips you over the edge and you you know you heal whatever it is in yourself that led you to have that repeated pattern in your business mm-hmm. um it's, it's kind of analogous to uh dating in some ways I, I, have you ever noticed in friends that they often date the same bad boy or girl over and over again <laughs> uh, not only friends but I think I experienced that personally <laughs> yeah so but then eventually there comes a point where you heal and and you stop dating that kind of person because you don't have that thing and you put that wound in your own personality that attracts that kind of person mm. and that makes you want to be with them even though they're bad for you and the same thing is true in business that we often repeat hiring the same kind of employee or having the same kind of client who abuses us or, you know, whatever the situation is until we wake up, become conscious of it, heal whatever the wound is within ourselves, and then we can stop doing that. So the the thing is with... Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I was going to make a point. <laughs> oh, we were talking about intuition, asking the right question, right? Mm-hmm. Um so asking, is, is this project good for me, is one question. But what about asking, will this, profit, will this project bring, bring me profit and joy? Mm-hmm. That is a totally different question. And it may be that that project that would be, quotes good for you, 
would not bring you profit and joy, which may be what you want in your business or, or whatever your goal is. You know, you maybe in your business, profit is important, or it may be that you want profit and joy, or maybe you have a message to spread in the world and you want to know if this project is going to help you spread your message in the world. Mm. So there are many different questions you can ask. And, um, you know, I think it's important to write, ask the right questions. Do you ever read any books or study much about Einstein? Um, I, you know, I, I studied uh, mathematics and physics when I was young. I really came from a rational point of view, but I, and I may have read some biographies of him and his first wife. Okay. Um, but yeah, I haven't really read anything recently. Didn't he use quite a bit of intuition in his oh. analyzation or figuring ideas out? Uh, yeah, he did. I mean, um, you know, I think... You know, he, he, he also said something along the lines of the, the rational mind is the servant of the intuitive mind mm -hmm. and that, you know, we treat it the other way around. We treat the, the, the rational mind is the one in charge and the intuition is the servant. Mm. Um, and that causes a lot of pain and struggle uh, within us because when we follow our intuition and listen to that, you know, it, it's not saying you're throwing away the rational mind. It's, you use both of them. Right. Um, or I use both of them. It's just a tool, you know. I mean, and that's the way. Coming, looping back to, you know, if, if someone listening to this is a bit skeptical of their intuition or they just don't know how to access it, just regard it as a tool in your business. You know, we use a lot of tools in our our businesses. You know, we use bookkeeping software and spreadsheets and SaaS tools, all kinds of things. And the question is, is this tool easy to use and is it useful? Does it give results? If it does, great, use it. If it doesn't, don't. So, and the same with the rational mind. You know, is this a useful tool? Uh, is it giving me the results I want? Now, Michael, I have like a lot of ideas that come up in my head, and I'll use meditation to filter them out to see which is the best direction that I go. Do you ever have times when you have an idea that maybe rationally you really want it? It sounds like a good idea, but you don't get it an answer or you're confused from the answer from your intuitive thoughts? Um, I have had that happen. If, if I did, that is an indication to me that there's something going on in me that's clouding that out. It's covering up that idea, making it hard for me to access the intuitive information. There's, to me, that would be an indication that there is some kind of uh, healing in me that needs to occur so I can have clarity. Or the, you know, for example, when I was uh, writing this book, I had a lot of resistance, as uh, you know, a lot of people do when creating projects, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I had fears about being famous or uh, being known for for this particular topic, and you know, what if I got made fun of, or and, and it all came back to like various school things where I was being bullied and made fun of, mm -hmm. and once I cleared those then I had clarity uh, about it. But often, lack of clarity is a protection mechanism. You know, it's like mm. see no evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil, those monkeys. Um, you know, if I, if I pretend not... Because in reality, we are powerful beings who are able to be aware of everything in our lives. Right. So if there's some part of our life that we, we have lack of clarity about, and we say, oh, I don't know, that's a protection mechanism. So that we don't, you know, something we adopted when we were younger, so we wouldn't get hurt. Um, 
So that that's how I would take that. And then if you clear that, then you can absolutely have clarity uh, of it. The, the only other reason for lack of clarity I've had experience of is that if, if I'm a lot of entrepreneurs pick up other people's feelings easily, they're empathic mm-hmm. and that's great, you know, for, for working with clients or, uh, working with staff because you pick up what's going on for them, but it, it can suck when you're trying to have clarity yourself, because if you're thinking about something and other people have strong emotions and feelings going on around you, it's easy to pick up their stuff and confuse it with your own, uh, intuition. So good to separate yourself off from other people, uh, energetically speaking, when you want to listen to your own intuition, which is why meditating or walking in nature or taking a shower are all places where people get inspiration. You got a lot of great ideas in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? And, And that's partly because we're separated from other people, but also the element of water has a very healing and cleansing thing. It washes away uh, you know, stuck energy on yeah. us, which is also why swimming in the sea feels good. Yeah. You know, a lot of people experience, you go to the seaside and it just feels great. Right. Um, and, or taking a bath even can feel great. You know, I don't know if you've ever had good ideas in a bath, but yeah, that's another place people get inspiration. Now you're doing some case studies these days. You mentioned that you could share one or two of them of people that you've, you've worked with, right? Yeah, so I did a case study with Willow. She was hiring uh, for a new position in a company, and she did a really great job of putting together the job ad and um, you know the application form. Mm-hmm. So we did a breakdown. We went through every piece of that, and it, and it went through, well, why does this make sense for attracting your ideal candidate right. and, and repelling people who would not be a good fit? So there were very some subtle things she had going in that ad, and we did a, a video breakdown of how she did that and why it was. And then also, you know, she had a um, you know a previous hiring experience that created a hiring scar. You know, it was an emotional scar where she had had some resistance to hiring mm-hmm. uh, the right person. So we did some work to clear that. And she was gracious to, you know, share that in the video um, so other people can benefit from that and, and see how clearing out that stuff can make it much easier to attract the right person and to hire them quickly. You know, there's, there's, there's no need to struggle in hiring. I, I, you know, I remember in the past uh, when I was just hiring on a rational basis, mm-hmm. often hiring was a pain in the butt and it was a complete struggle. You know, I'd interview tens of people and it was, you know, and, the, and even at the end of the process, I think I'd have someone good who was good on paper, but then they turned out not to be great in practice. Right. So it goes a lot easier when you use your intuition. Now, I, I, I feel like I can read body language pretty well. And would some people define your business intuition or intuition as reading somebody's body language or kind of picking up on their body language to help you give an intuitive judgment on them? So I had a, uh, I was on a podcast with Gregory Deal recently, mm-hmm. and that was pretty much the attitude he took, that intuition doesn't exist, it's all can be explained rationally. 
-hmm. you know, there is no spiritual aspect to life or business. Uh, Everything is, you know, an accumulation of experiences and you're reading body language and Mm -hmm. uh, tonality and what have you. And and certainly, you know, if you want to take it that way that there is no spiritual aspect to things and there is all a rational explanation of something, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can take it that way and then you can just say, hey, are the the tools that you use, you know, there's like 15 tools in this book and does this tool work for me? Does the screwdriver work for me? Does the spade work for me? You know, hey, yeah, this works for me. Um, I have a rational explanation for why it works. I'll use it. Mm-hmm. But I, my personal view is that there's far more to it. I mean, it's sort of like if you were analyzing a great painting by one of, you know, a master painter, mm-hmm. right, a, a, a Rembrandt or something, you could go with a microscope and you could just suppose, just imagine they had videos back when Rembrandt was painting. You could analyze the, the month he took to paint it, you know, where he had his webcam set up next to the easel. <laughs> and you could look at every brush stroke he made and, and you could ha- come up with a theory of color and composition and everything. And you say, yeah, this is why this is a masterpiece. But you also can look at the, the painting, right, and see the beauty in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a different level of looking at things. So mm. I'm not saying that body language, you know, I do you, I, I have studied body language and tonality um, but there's things, you know, having studied that practice, there's also micro expressions people have. If you look at right. videos, people, they make little expressions for like, uh, you know, a, a 30th of a second It's too short for the human eye to catch. But if you look at it on video, you can see it. Um, and that's going in, you know, in, maybe that goes in on a subconscious level and gets integrated and comes out as intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just one level of it. I, I think there's a, a higher level of access to spiritual information that we have, you know, a spiritual version of ourselves. And, and my view is that, you know, we're not human beings with a business occasionally having spiritual experiences. Right. We are spiritual beings with a body and a business. And it's a different viewpoint. Now, a lot of us try to pretend we're not spiritual beings, mm-hmm. um, you know, and cover that up because... You know, that, there's that famous Marianne Williamson quote that says, you know, we're not afraid um, of, uh, how, how does she say that? You it, know, is it the, um, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness that we're most afraid of. Is that it? That's the one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so the idea that each of us is a powerful spiritual being mm-hmm. and that Anything we want to create in our business, we can do so, is quite frightening. Right. And it's much easier to say, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm just like a human being and, you know, I can't, this is a struggle and I've got to suffer and, you know, that's a much easier thing to deal with, even though it's painful. Incredible. Okay, let's talk about your book launch. So you recently launched a book, Intuitive Leadership Mastery, and it hit Amazon bestseller. What category did you hit the bestseller list on? It's in uh, business um, leadership. Very cool. And then uh, I was also listed in uh, self-help category. So I think that's under spirituality, or I forget what the Amazon name is. So if you... Let's talk a bit about book launches and then maybe we can, you know, we could, if if it makes sense, talk about launches in general. Okay. So, 
certainly there's a lot of things on Amazon to look at. And the category you list in is you get to list in two categories. So you, you look around for categories that have lower competition or that your book can stand out in. And then you also look for a second category where there's a lot less competition. So you've kind of got a backup category. Okay. And then it's easier to reach best status there. The other thing is, you know, many of us are used to doing keyword research for, you know, uh, search engine optimization for people doing Google searches. Mm -hmm. The Amazon site has its own search engine. Okay. So when you put keywords, you know, when you type keywords into Amazon to look for a book or a product and it comes up with suggestions, right? you can use that when you're picking your book title to enable it to, to fit in better. So I played around with a title that had CEO in the title. Okay. But there were a lot less searches done um, for CEO than there are for leadership. So that's why I changed the title to be uh, leadership. As, and also it kind of opened it up from, you know, some entrepreneurs do identify themselves as CEOs. Other people don't. Mm-hmm. But leader seemed to be a more general catch-all category. Um had a had a more positive thing so there was some search engine optimization there and then when you have the description you put for your book you're, you're doing again you can use that t- helps with the keyword searching mm-hmm. um so those are just some of the things and then when it comes to the the um cover you have people do judge a book by its cover right so you know, because you only see a thumbnail of that thing on Amazon, you've got to make sure that they can get what the book's about, both from being able to read the title in the thumbnail, but also emotionally and energetically, do they get what the book's about just by looking at the title for like half a second? Mm. Um, and you, if you look through bestseller lists, you can see that most of the people who are on the bestseller list have an excellent cover. Yeah, And then if you were to scroll further down and look at books that didn't do so well, a lot of them don't have good covers. And it, I've even talked to people who've relaunched books with a new cover and had it go, you know, sell much more just by changing the cover and the content remained the same, which is a little depressing if you're an author, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just the reality of how things are. So that, those are some of the things on the Amazon platform. Did you test different covers, Michael? Um, I have gone through two different covers. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I tested them. I more asked my intuition, you know, what, what does the profit and joy graph of this cover look like? So I visualize a f- the future profits and future joy um, okay. of the cover, and I use that to pick uh, okay. which cover I would use. And I'd ask some people, you know, I, I have a, a Facebook group for the book. Mm-hmm. So as I was writing the book, I started that about six months before the launch. And currently, there's 200 plus people in that. And so, you know, I, sh- I shared covers and title ideas. And I also shared all the content for the book in that group before it was edited and uh, published. So that, that would be my second key thing to do for a launch. You need to have a group of fans set up before the launch. You can't right. wait until you launch your product and book and say, you know, if I built the book, the fans will come. You've got to get the fans together ahead of time hmm. because they will be the people who write book reviews for you or tell their friends about it uh, or buy the book on the first day of launch. And then, you know, if you want your launch to go well or your book to, to get to bestseller, you've got to get enough people to buy it all on the launch day. 
Right. So having people in a Facebook group or an email list who are interested in that, then that can help. And then I did a promotion. I actually promoted it as a free book on the launch day. Some people do a 99 cent uh, promotion uh, on launch. Um, and that gives people a reason to buy the book on the launch day instead of, you know, because people, you know, are busy or they delay things. So mm-hmm. you've got to get them to take action on that day. And you, if you look at a typical um, product launch, often there's like, you know, it's available at this price or there are these bonus items available through a certain date. And then after that, they go away. And it's an inducement for people to buy it there and then. And typically what happens on a product launch is, when it's first announced, you know, you get like 30 to 40% of the sales. Mm-hmm. And then during the week of the launch where you're telling people about it, you know, some more sales drip in. And then on the final day of launch, 50% of the sales come in. Mm-hmm. So, and setting up your launch emails and videos to emphasize that is important. You've got to let everyone know well ahead of time, hey, this is my book launch date. I need your support. Um, I use Thunderclap, which is a uh, program you can use that people put um, social. You know, they can put all posts to their social media page all at the same time. Right. So I had uh, my goal there was 108 people, um, but I got 120 people signed up for that, and I think I had a social reach of 400,000 on it. Nice. Um, so that that definitely helped. And then you know, I have a software business. And I've run a tele-summit in the past. I emailed to both those lists with a, an email crafted to reach that kind of people. So my software company, they're developers. So I said, here's how you can use the ideas in this book in your software development. And here are some things you could use on that. And it's free on this date. So I, I know I got some sales from that. Um, and the other thing I did with that email, I think that led to about a third to half of the sales I had on the day. Um, I did some intention on sending the email. So whenever I do something in my life, I set the intention for it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I I want this, like for this podcast, I said, you know, I want to have good internet. I want to have a great connection. I want this to be a useful and growthful, uh, you know, conversation for you, me, and everyone listening. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with mass emails i'll say the intention i have for this is that the people who would be interested in this subject read the email and they engage with it and they click with it Mm. on the link the people who would be upset about it and would want to unsubscribe or you know email me back they don't even see the email right and when i do that when i send mass emails they go much better really if i forget to do that i'll get back you know well you know how when you send thousands of emails some people unsubscribe some people give little angry comments occasionally <laughs> right um and it's unnecessary you know what don't even have them engage with it mm-hmm. that makes so, sense yeah and then i i did do some facebook ads i'm not sure they really added to it but i was kind of experimenting with different things and i did there's an Am- amazon advertising thing you can do too I actually then, I saw your Facebook ad this morning. Well, there you go. Maybe they do work. <laughs> Popped right up on my page. <laughs> Fabulous. How, what incredible timing. Right. <laughs> Michael, any thoughts for a future book? Well, I've, I'm getting the book translated into Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that's one version of it. And then 
it does occur to me that really a lot of the tools here work not just in business, but they can work for other areas of life like relationship or health. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of that might be a, another way. And then I'm thinking of uh, also uh, a second version of the book for business that would cover more advanced tools because there are things I, you, I don't know if you've ever written a book. Um, no. But typically, I mean, in the writing process, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you write. And, and one of the things I did, I followed a, some advice from Dan Norris who, who wrote Create Versus Hate um, on the creative process, which is a great book. But one of the advice he had was pick a, a launch date and stick to it. You know, and then you work backwards planning back. Okay, if I'm going to launch on this date, when do I have to have the writing done? When do I need to get the editing done? When does the cover need to be done? Okay. And all the other things you have to do. But come hell or high water, you ship on that date, even if the thing isn't like, you know, quite the way you want it to be. Right. So, you know, this book is about 50,000 words. But, you know, I, I wrote about 80,000 words. So there's another 30,000 words of stuff that, Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't written. It was hard to read. It would have taken some hours to kind of clean up and and make it in you know work. Or it, it didn't quite fit into the chapter structure. And I worked with a great editor, Laura Hanley, and you know she she kind of played my beta reader. She would say, okay, this doesn't make sense. You know, if I'm being one of your the avatar for your book, you know, an entrepreneur or a CEO. I wouldn't know what you're talking about here. You need to explain it better. Mm-hmm. Or this doesn't fit into the flow. So I had material I wrote that just didn't fit into the to the book as it was published. Um, so I'm thinking of that would make a, you know, could be worked into a uh, another book. And I have a lot more ideas for, you know, more advanced things that can be shared as well. Michael, we're going to have to wrap up there. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your insights and tips and tricks and tactics about intuition. If the listeners want to reach out to you to learn more about the book or the podcast or case studies or your Facebook group, where's the best place they can get a hold of you? So intuitiveleadershipmastery.com is the best place to uh, reach me. And then my handle on a lot of social media is Abundant Michael. Abundant, Michael. And we will put that in the show notes and we'll sign off there for today. Listeners, thanks for joining us once again. Michael, thank you very much for coming on the show. And we'll wrap up there and see you guys on the next episode. Bye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the entrepreneur house, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in 
and have some questions, be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world. Right. And, and nobody's like, I don't know. Do you, do you even care about subscribing to other people's channels? Like if I subscribe well, I, to your I channel do it. and my friends, you know, I would do it. Yeah. What value does it really give me? I guess you can set it up to get an email the next time they post a video. I think it, it means when you go to YouTube, those people's videos are more likely to turn up. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I think there is some kind of alert feature, but yeah. Goodness knows how that really works. So, <laughs> so maybe maybe it's just use a combination. Use Facebook to record stuff and get the word out, but then archive them into into YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the general issue I have with Facebook is that it it doesn't archive stuff well. You can't find stuff. You know, if you have a Facebook group, trying to find messages from three months ago is pretty hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's just, that's challenging too. But you know, Facebook too is getting so crowded, also. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then and then sometimes I've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of times. So now it seems like I see more of my friends' feeds, but then if like a month ago or so, and this happened for like maybe a two or three month period, I would see only almost advertisements and video feeds from channels that I liked and very few mm-hmm. of my own personal friends feeds. And so I was mm-hmm. kind of like, where's all my friends at? And now it's all my friends stuff. And I'm like, now where's all my videos? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so they're yeah, constantly, they have, a, they're, they have a, a crazy algorithm, you know, I think it's constantly changing too. Yeah, it is. Which they is, just see what get brings them the most ad revenue and the least complaints from their users. Yeah. And and once you figure out their algorithm, they're bound to change it in a few yeah. weeks, really, seems like. Yeah. Well, you know, we that's true. And the other thing with Facebook and YouTube being crowded, I think that's why Instagram or, or Snapchat or any of these other young platforms, mm-hmm. you know, they have a flash of success because they're not crowded. Yeah. And then people leap onto them and then they get crowded and then they fade away. Yeah. Yeah, yep, exactly. So. Or just be more of that happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Maybe not there ending. isn't like the one. The, we there isn't the one for social platforms anymore. <laughs> you just got to keep dating around. You know. I think I'm gonna break up with Facebook for a while and and just date around with mm-hmm. other social media platforms. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, people do that, right? <clears throat> they yeah. they delete their Facebook account, halt it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, I was going to ask you about SoundCloud. I noticed, noticed you use that for your blo- uh, podcast. Yeah, I do. do you, I mean, do you really like it, or is there some other it was, reasoning going on here? No, it was it was the first one that I used, and it seemed like the easiest, and it hasn't failed me yet. 
So like I'll upload mm. my podcast to SoundCloud and it goes to Stitcher and iTunes and I think Google Play also. And cool. um, and then, I mean, and SoundCloud's kind of like, you know, a, a dying platform or just a, 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 a peak. dying? Not dying, but peaked. You know, it's just stagnant. It's not growing or people aren't like, oh, SoundCloud, amazing. You know, it's not. It's not, but it's, it's been working. So I don't get a lot of followers on SoundCloud, which is fine. All I do is upload stuff to that and it goes to everything else. What are you using? Well, I'm right. I use Libsyn for uploading the stuff. Um, but then I, I have my RSS is on my website and then it goes out to all the, you know, iTunes and Blueberry and Stitcher and, uh, tune in and, God knows what else. I had Doug Ewan set it up because he seemed to know far more about it than I did. I gotcha. <laughs> I had um, Vic Dorfin set my uh, set mine up. Yeah. And it just kind of the way we did it, and and um, I haven't questioned it. You know, it works fine so far as long as cool. Sound, if SoundCloud doesn't crash, if if they crash, and I don't know what I'm gonna do, I'll find something else. Well, I hope you got all the files backed up somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that, I mean that's true for all these platforms, right? Mm-hmm. You, so. you can't trust that they're going to let you get to your stuff either because they go out of business or or they, you know, or they're twits. <laughs> sure, you know, the internet may die one of these days. Which does remind me, I need to back up my Google Docs somewhere else. I know there's a way to do that. Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I need to back up some some of my podcasts to. Sound yeah, bad. yeah, because you've got an enormous investment in uh, content there. Yeah, and um, I'm sure it's possible just to automatically have it backed up to Dropbox or some other. Yeah, place. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the challenge with that is downloading in Brazil. It takes me. I'm. Oh, I'm sure you. Are you in Brazil? I'm in Rio now. Yeah. No way! You're yeah. getting up early. I thought you were in Thailand. No, no. Well, it's not too early. It's 10 o'clock here. <coughs> oh, of course. It's yeah, early for it's, you, though, huh? It's 8. It's early for me. It's 7 a.m. 7? Oh. Very, yeah. yeah. But I'm you dedicated. Get up, you get up at 5 anyway, <laughs> though, right? <laughs> Pretty often, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, download. I'm sure Peru's the same. Like, to download a podcast here is one to four hours for me. Oh, no, it's the upload speed that's slow. Da- download's that's not mean. too bad. That's what I mean. Upload. Yeah. 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 Really, in Rio, I'd have thought Rio would have quick internet. No, all of Brazil's, their internet's... Oh. Uh, 